Blog Talk Radio. The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymoor, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. St. John Fisher. Early in the 16th century, Great Britain was nearing its peak as a European power. This nation's rapid climb was due in large measure to the vigorous and bold king who occupied the throne, Henry VIII, and to his wise friend and counselor, Cardinal Wolsey. In his early years, King Henry of England had been recognized as a loyal supporter and protector of the Catholic Church. But by the year 1526, a change in the king's attitude was noted by many of that nation's prominent men. This is the story of one of these men, John Fisher, Bishop of Rochester and lifetime chancellor of Cambridge University. One cold wintry night in 1526, an old friend paid him a visit at Cambridge. Thomas Moore, come in, man. It's good to see you. Why, it's been... Years. Yes, I know, John. But I've thought of you often. Envied you, too. You envied me, Chancellor of a university? Why, you're Chancellor of all England. But you have only to cope with students, John. My problem is a king. Oh, yes, he can be difficult. I was his tutor for many years. That's why I've come to you. I told the Queen that if anyone could handle Henry, it would be Bishop John Fisher... His old tutor. Well, here, sit here by the fire and tell me. Not yet. There's someone waiting outside. She asked me to come in first. She? The queen. Catherine, Henry's wife? Catherine of Aragon, yes. Bring her in, man. Wait, John. She wants to be sure. Of what? Of you. She must know first if she can count on you, even if it means turning against Henry. Oppose the king? On a question of morals and church law. But what's he done? The queen will tell you herself. I'll fetch her. Well, by all means, do. Your 
Highness, may I present Bishop John Fisher? Your Highness. I've heard so much about you, Bishop, from my good friend Thomas Moore. May I count on your support? I cannot answer until I know the issue. I've only told him that Henry plans to violate church law. I see. Then I will come to the point quickly. Henry wants to divorce me. I can't believe it. It's true, nevertheless. He wants to marry someone else. But he knows he can't do that. Henry doesn't know the meaning of that word. He can, of course, but only if he leaves the church. He doesn't intend to leave. Well, then he can't. Oh, he doesn't call it a divorce. He plans to have our marriage declared invalid. On what grounds? He's keeping that a secret. I don't understand. There's a side of Henry you obviously don't know, Bishop Fisher. Well, I knew Henry was wild, but I try not to pay attention to idle gossip. You should have this time. The first was Elizabeth Blount. You may recall that my husband named her son the Duke of Richmond. Yes, there was some talk. And the boy is the image of Henry, disposition and all. The next was Mary Boleyn. I am older than Henry, and he never let me forget it. And you say he wants to marry this girl, Mary Boleyn? No, 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 no. He's cast her aside. Now he's fallen in love with Mary's young sister, Anne. But this is monstrous. Then may I count on your support? Dear lady, you may count me as your chief supporter and counselor. I knew you would, John. But first, consider it carefully. I don't have to tell you what Henry is capable of. I'll arrange an interview with Henry as soon as possible. Cardinal Wolsey has already arranged it. Excellent. And, of course, you can count on Wolsey for any support. I know the Cardinal very well. I think between us we can pound some sense into Henry. Well, well, well. <laughs> After all these years, how long? Fifteen, twenty years? <laughs> no matter, no matter, you haven't changed. You have, Your Majesty. You're older. <laughs> and fatter. But don't call me Your Majesty. Call me Henry as you did long ago. And I'll call you Bishop John. Come in, come in, join me. I'm just finishing dinner. Your appetite hasn't changed, Henry. Well, eating is one of the supreme joys of life. Now, you remembered me in the old days, though, Bishop John. <laughs> I was an athlete then. And you could be again, Henry, if you would only avoid excesses. Oh, do you refer to excesses at the dinner table or elsewhere? I gather, then, you know why I'm here. You never underestimated my intelligence in the old days, Bishop John. It isn't intelligent to seek a divorce for a passing whim. <laughs> oh, dear me, I'd forgotten how sharp your tongue could be, Bishop John. Anne Boleyn is not a passing whim. There were others before. There will be none after. She is all a man or a king could desire. Perhaps if he didn't already have a wife? Never a wife. <laughs> Think back, Bishop John. Catherine of Aragon, my esteemed consort, was first married to my elder brother Arthur. He was to be king, you recall, but he died and I was next in line. My father arranged that I should marry Arthur's wife, Catherine. Oh, think of it, Bishop. That was before I entered my teens. She's much older than I. We've never hit it off. I can only say that a man can have but one wife in the eyes of God. 
and the church. Well, is it fair to chain me to an old woman? She's but five years older. A woman forced upon me in my youth? You chose her willingly. There you're wrong. When I was barely 12 years old, I issued a formal protest. In right. Yes, that is true. But when your father died and you assumed the throne, you were a grown man, still free to marry whomsoever you chose. And yet 16 days after you became king, you willingly took Catherine as your wife. No one forced you. That was for political reasons. Her mother was Isabella of Spain. Oh, you must see it was a mistake. And I intend to correct it now. That is beyond your powers. And yours. It's for your superior in Rome to decide. And let us hope Rome listens to reason. I've already had Cardinal Wolsey approach the Vatican. I don't know what arguments he can present for you. Well, why don't you ask him? He's in the room below. I will. Good day, Your Majesty. Good day, Bishop Fisher. I was afraid you'd have no more luck with him than I, Bishop Fisher. He told me that you were in touch with Rome, Cardinal Wolsey. Yes, yes, I've done that for him. But on what grounds? There's been some question about the legality of Henry's marriage to Catherine. Many years ago, when his brother Arthur died, special permission was required from Rome. Henry's argument is that this permission was received under false pretenses. If true, the marriage is indeed invalid. I have never heard it questioned before. So long as there remains a shadow of a doubt, it's only just and proper that I make it known to the Vatican. If Henry has denied his wishes... There's no telling to what lengths he might go. You believe he'd leave the church? I once thought him a devout man. Now I fear his religion is no more to him than a bond with his people. I'm afraid he's desperate. He thinks he can succeed in forcing Rome to his will. He must be mad. From his view, it is logical. In effect, he tells the church, Give me my divorce or lose all the people in England. Doesn't he realize that even if it costs all Europe, there can be no compromise with the sanctity of marriage? He doesn't care. He only knows what he wants. What about the girl? Anne Boleyn? I don't know her. She avoids me. Perhaps she'll speak to me. No. Henry would be angry. I'll see Anne Boleyn. Why come to me, Bishop Fisher? Because I've already been to the king, and he won't listen. But if his marriage to Catherine is invalid... My dear young lady, marriage is a sacrament. It cannot be tampered with. I think in this case your superior will be practical. You are mistaken. Henry is strong-willed. I gather he isn't the only one. I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. You can do a great deal... You can stop Henry. How? Tell him you won't marry a divorced man. Why should I? To stop him from doing something he'll regret. It seems to me that the regrets will be had by you and your superior. For your own sake, don't marry him. What have I to lose? Your soul. But if I'm queen, I will gain a kingdom. And how long will you keep it? I can hold him. If he disposes of one wife, why not another? I am not easily disposed of. Is there nothing I can say to change your mind? Nothing. And I promise you I will see to it that Henry doesn't change his. 
Not for you or Woolsey or anyone. I will be England's queen. The people will never recognize you. They will have no choice. I see I'm wasting my time. Then put it to better use. Write your superior in Rome. Tell him to think well of the consequences before he acts. The decision was made several months later. No impediment was found to the marriage of Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Henry was enraged, yet dared not cast aside his wife for fear of arousing the people. He chose more subtle action. Not long after, Bishop John Fisher was summoned to the throne. You sent for me, Majesty? I should be angry with you, Bishop John. I regret that I must oppose you. Perhaps you can help me now. When your superior in Rome saw fit to declare my marriage to Catherine valid, I was not satisfied. I put the question to the best minds of our country. I am aware of that. All the nobility and most of the universities agree that my marriage should be dissolved. Yet Cambridge, your university, took the side of Rome. You disagreed with almost every other university. You know why. What do you mean? I mean you intimidated or bribed the heads of the other universities. You dare say You that. tried it on my own professors. I stopped it. I saw your plan clearly. And what is my plan? You think you can force the Vatican to reverse its decision by applying pressure from English nobility and educators. You know your religion. You know that no amount of pressure can change a decision of this kind. It's the law of God. And no man can tamper with it. Be quiet! I think you'll take too much on yourself, Bishop Fisher. Another king might take action against you. I have no illusions about that. If you choose not to punish me, it's only because you're afraid you'll turn the people away. They're gradually coming around to my point of view. You can't buy or frighten the people. We shall see. Meanwhile, be grateful that I'm your friend. I only pray that you will come to your senses and listen to your true friends. <laughs> And who are my friends? I am trying to be. Cardinal Woolsey is another. Woolsey has left the palace. I've stripped him of his title and authority. Well, then you've turned away your best friend and you'll regret it. I would advise you and all the clergy to withdraw recognition from Cardinal Woolsey. That's impossible. He's the papal legate. If you don't, you'll have to face the consequences. I see. You've captured the nobility and the educators. Now you want the clergy. You will fail. Then I will fine you. Until you're poor enough to listen to reason. And for a start, I'll find the clergy 100,000 pounds. Ridiculous. So long as you recognize Woolsey, you'll learn to obey your king or starve. Cardinal Wolsey out of favor, the last check on King Henry's wild nature was gone. He turned viciously on the clergy, imposed one impossible fine upon another, yet did not dare break openly with the church of his people. By the year 1530, Henry's encroachments upon the clergy had become so severe that Bishop John Fisher, along with the bishops of Bath and Ely, appealed to Rome. For this, the enraged king ordered them arrested. After a time, Bishop Fisher was released through the efforts of his friend, Thomas Moore. I knew I could depend on you, Tom. But what about the others? I've arranged for payment of their fines, too. They've already left. My carriage will be here in a moment to take you home. No, take me to Cambridge. I have a lot to do. 
You've got to be very careful from now on, John. The king is angry. I fear for your very life. Oh, he won't go that far. He's passed a new law. You can't even reach Rome anymore. He's trying to intimidate us, have us think we're completely in his power. You are, in a sense. I'm afraid he may yet have his way. Impossible. The church can never declare his divorce valid. Even if he makes himself head of the Church of England? What are you saying? That's his plan. He's formally notified the clergy that at their next convocation they must declare him protector and head of the Church of England. Does he really think we'll do that? He doesn't ask it. He demands it. He is the official owner. Well, let me see that. Yes. It's come to this. The convocation will have to approve it, John. Never. Then there will be blood running in the streets. Well, perhaps we can avoid bloodshed and still deny him the power he wants. How? Suppose the convocation does declare him head of the church in England, but adds these words, so far as God's law permits. But... God's law doesn't permit it exactly. Oh, he'll see through it. Of course. But can he punish us for carrying out his orders and for obeying God's law? Don't you see, he dare not expose himself before the people by taking action against us for that. No, he won't act openly. But when he finds out who's behind this, watch your step, John. convocation adopted Bishop John Fisher's amendment. And several days later, two of his servants died of food poisoning. Bishop Fisher was spared when their bodies were discovered before he took his evening meal. And once again, he was summoned to the throne. Oh, this is outrageous that anyone should try to poison you in your own home. Yes, Majesty. My guards have already found the culprit. I request your Majesty that he be released. When he tried to kill you? If that was his intention, he was simply carrying out orders. The real murderer is the man who paid him. Whom do you suspect? Why not ask the man you captured, Your Majesty? It's too late. I've already ordered him boiled to death. You're joking. I have very little sense of humor. I beg of you, spare him. The sentence has already been carried out. He's dead? <laughs> Don't look so horrified, man. He deserved it. With your permission, Majesty, I will take my leave. Where do you intend going? Archbishop Warham of Canterbury is ill. I intend to visit him. You're too late. He died an hour ago. What? That's why I wanted to talk to you. I've made a recommendation to Rome on the... Uh, Next, Archbishop of Canterbury. That is your privilege. But you haven't asked me my choice. Who is he? Cranmer. I don't know him. Cranmer's a loyal friend. I have his promise that as Archbishop of Canterbury, he will validate my marriage to Anne Boleyn. I don't suppose you mentioned that in your recommendation to Rome? No. And now that I've told you... I must be sure that you don't, either. I'm under arrest. The moment you leave this room, 
You'll be released when it's too late to make trouble. King Henry VIII married Anne Boleyn, and the new Archbishop of Canterbury declared it valid. Anne was crowned queen shortly after, and again the Archbishop of Canterbury gave his blessing. Only then was Bishop John Fisher released from jail, and again was met by Thomas Moore. He's won, after all, John. Has he? Will he find peace and love in this marriage? He's not finished yet. Well... We must try to salvage something from the wreckage. It will be difficult for you, John. You're no longer a bishop. He's even managed that. Well, I'm still a priest. No one, not even Henry, can take that away. He's taken everything else. Even your personal belongings are forfeited. He thinks of everything. And from now on, you're to be jailed at the king's pleasure, with or without cause. What is the man afraid of? Of anyone who dares speak the truth boldly and openly. Then you shouldn't be seen with me, Thomas. He'll turn on you. Too late for that. I've resigned as Chancellor. Was that wise? Oh, it's time all men took a stand. It won't be pleasant. Maybe even worse than you think. I've learned just before coming here that the Pope has voided his marriage to Anne. Has refused to recognize her as Queen. Henry is furious. He knew it had to come... He might control the Archbishop of Canterbury, but his power ends at the Channel. Catherine is his wife, and no other can be recognized. He'll fight it. And so shall we. From the pulpit, from Parliament, wherever they'll listen. Come, Thomas, we've so much to do. The child born to England's Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn was Elizabeth. There followed a great controversy. Who should be the heir to Henry's crown? Elizabeth? Or Mary, his first child, born to Catherine of Aragon. By now, Henry had overrun all opposition and forced Parliament to cut relations with Rome. His final bid for complete power over both church and state in England was passage of the Act of Succession. It specified that his crown was to go down to Anne's child, Elizabeth. Since many were opposed, he demanded that every adult in the kingdom accept it under oath. One of the first to reject the act was Bishop John Fisher. Bishop Fisher! How long will you oppose me? As long as you are wrong, Your Majesty. Then I order you to acknowledge me as head of the church. I order you to accept the act of succession. I cannot. You must accept, or die. I cannot accept it. You refuse? Yes. Very well. You'll be tried in the common courts. You'll be found guilty of treason to the crown. And on the appointed day, you will die on the block. Bishop John Fisher of England was imprisoned in the Tower of London. He was not alone. Each day, others were pushed into his cell. Thomas More, you too? There will be many others. You've given them courage. Henry won't care if half his kingdom is locked in this tower. Your friends are trying to secure your release. While you've been here, Rome has acted. You've been named a cardinal. I am honored, but it will only make Henry angrier. They didn't think he'd dare send a cardinal to the block. But the king has even refused to allow the red hat into the country. How foolish. He said he would send your head back instead. What's happened to the man? <laughs> Who knows? They say he's already tiring of Anne Boleyn. That poor foolish child. 
She must already be worried about her own pretty head. But the real tragedy is Henry. He has defied God and man for a woman. Oh, Thomas, will man never learn to turn to God and cry out, Thy will be done, O Lord, not mine, but thine. St. John Fisher met death with calm and dignified courage on Tower Hill, London, in the year 1535. And Thomas Moore was beheaded two weeks later. Henry's second wife, Anne Boleyn, went to the block some years after St. John Fisher. Henry's fifth wife, Catherine Howard, met the same fate. listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymoor. For those in need of spiritual renewal, we staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV-AIDS. We also shelter the homeless and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony's Shrine, Graymoor. Attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need. Please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymoor. Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.